0: He was a kid from the Bay Area with a difficult relationship with his mother, and while most kids could relate to that kind of situation, only one kid was the multi-talented and charismatic son of Afini Shakur, a controversial leader in the Black Panther Party. Episode 2 of the documentary series Dear Mama, The Saga of Afini and Tupac Shakur explores Tupac's initial commercial success and controversy. Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club. This is a show for Gen X hip hop fans who want to relive the glory days and reconsider classic and modern hip hop films from a current day perspective. Together, we'll explore some of the larger societal issues raised in these films. If you've seen today's movie before, then you'll learn some fascinating trivia you might have missed. If you haven't seen today's movie before, then we'll help you decide whether this film is worth your time. Either way, you'll be a smarter hip hop fan by the end of this episode. The next 30 minutes or so, you get all this and more. We're three old heads who put their old heads together to vibe on these films for you. I'm Dino Wright, serial podcaster, filmmaker, and longtime hip-hop fan since Hot Hits 98 in Philly played It's Tricky by Run DMC in
1: 1987. I'm JB, 80s and 90s nostalgia junkie, longtime hip-hop fan. And I don't mean to brag, I don't mean to boast, but we're like hot butter on your breakfast toast.
2: Hat tip to rapper's delight. (laughs) Nice. I'm Boogie, a DJ, longtime hip-hop fan, and my favorite MC of all time is Rakim. My favorite group is Public Enemy.
0: In this episode, we'll answer the question, did the message in Tupac's music get through, or was he misunderstood?
1: Dear Mama, The Saga of Afini and Tupac Shakur is a TV documentary series about the complex man we knew as Tupac Shakur and his mother, Afini Shakur, and her influence on his life. It premiered on FX on April 21st, 2023, and is available on Hulu. episode two of this docuseries was subtitled Changes, also the title of one of his songs. Um, What did we learn about Tupac from this episode that you may not have known prior? There were definitely a lot of interesting tidbits that came out of this one. Boogie, what do you have as kind of some interesting facts that you hadn't known before?
2: Yeah, I think probably one of the things that stood out for me, like I knew that his mother was a Black Panther and I knew that he was heavily influenced by some of them and had relationships with some of them, but I did not realize that um, Geronimo Pratt who who was actually one of the military strategists in the in the movement was was actually his godfather. I was like, oh wow, I didn't realize that. Like um, like I said, I knew that he had a relationship with him, but that was probably the biggest thing that stuck out for me. Yeah, I learned that as well.
0: Donna right? Anything jump out? Well, you know, back in the day, I, I feel strange to say this, but I didn't know that much about Tupac, and so I didn't really have all of this backstory about his Black Panther party connections. So it was really neat to see some of this footage from the 60s. But the Marlon Brando clip that they show is really interesting. So he's speaking after Bobby Hutton's funeral. He was killed. And the message that Marlon Brando has is that he had a long way to go and a lot to learn. And it's important, I think, even now, that it's not just people of color that need to do this work. It needs to be everybody, including white people, are doing the work. So <laughs> unfortunately, he said it like, 50 years ago it's still true (laughs) and we still need to work on it maybe 60 years ago but it was really fascinating to see that then we could use more of that allyship
1: I also didn't realize that Marlon Brando was an activist as well and speaking out against racism and that was nice to see I learned a lot as well I had never done a real deep dive into Tupac's life. So I'm happy to do it here. I didn't realize to the extent where Tupac had to deal with a lot of fallout from his music that he necessarily didn't have to. It was kind of like he carried a huge burden. For example, the young man that killed the cop in Texas, Ronald Howard and he said that he was listening to Tupac's music and there were songs about violence against police officers. And he blamed that on, you know, that was his defense in court. And so Tupac had answered a lot of questions. That's had a lot of pressure for someone in his early 20s at the time. Also when Juice came out and unfortunately there was violence in and outside of the movie theaters and all the cameras, you know, are in Tupac's face. So, I mean, that's quite a burden to carry so I, you get to kind of see behind the scenes a lot of the things he's dealing with. To the extent that there was rumors about, you know, Tupac having a multi-personality disorder or bipolar disorder. And I love how his aunt Glow called BS on that and said, no, he had anxiety. He was a young kid. He had his duality as a Gemini. And his drama teacher was saying, no, he was just an emotional guy. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. So very complex um, but you really see the inner workings of his mind. And I forget who quoted, but there was a quote early on in the episode where it says, "Genius comes with a price," and that's right. I mean, he was mm-hmm. some—he was so great with his words and, and his charisma, so jumps off the screen. And unfortunately, you know, there are some ramifications that came out about it, and
2: he had to deal with some of those repercussions. Yeah, I, I think it was like to, to kind of piggyback on for what you're saying. I found it kind of sad um, to a certain extent with some of the fallback follow that he had to deal with, where some of his lyrics were cherry picked and they would you know, say, oh, yeah, you said, you know, you wanted to shoot a cop. And he's like, did you read? The, did you hear the whole context of what was going on? Like the guy I'm telling the story of a person who had, you know, a fear of being or being my cops in the wake of Rodney King and that's how he reacted but if you go through the whole story you can see that he actually regretted his actions and now it shows that now he's in jail And because he's in jail there's certain things that are going on at home and he's not there to protect his family or be there for his brother and other family members and things like that and um he was in that one that talk show and with, you know with the police officers and they were you know just kind of coming at him and he, but he was he was standing his ground, and he was able to fully explain his lyrics in the full context and not just the, the one line where it says, you know, I shot somebody, but he would tell a story like what happened and why that happened and how he wasn't necessarily advocating for violence. He was just telling the story about, you know, yeah, this is what happens in the neighborhood. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just telling the story. I'm not advocating for anything. i have just kind of taking my words and twisted them to fit your narrative, but that's not the case in, it was it was good to see that he was able to articulate himself to the point where the audience w- was kind of taking. You could see the you can see the shift with the audience when he would say something, the audience applauding like yeah. And um, I was like, I, that's probably, that was kind of cool. Definitely, I saw the same. I was going to ask you guys like, what was some of the
1: you know, Dinah right? You mentioned some of the historical footage that we saw, but the footage of those talk shows was powerful. I had never seen those back when they. Were shot live, and to your point, Boogie, they're saying, "Oh, you have all these songs about killing cops." And Tupac, like I said, he was very articulate. He says these are actually are songs about police police brutality and self defense. I'm not saying go out there and just pick off cops. Like you have to understand what my race has been through, you know, between the Rodney King and he mm-hmm. himself was beaten by the Oakland PD. And that scarred him emotionally. And, yeah. and you got to remember, also, a lot of his mentors were in jail. They were locked up with this, the Black Panther Twenty-One trial, and um, accused of having plots to blow up uh, mus- municipal buildings, department stores, and everything like that. And they were just shootouts occurred. So many of those uh, Black Panther leaders were killed that you know you mentioned Huey Newton, Bobby Hutton. Fred Hampton, who was only 21, he was a very peaceful man. He was gunned down by the feds yeah. as well as Mark Clark. So, a lot of police brutality and, and oppression.
2: And they are talking about the one, the one police officer. They were saying that you know he has to patrol in dangerous neighborhoods. He's like, yeah, but we live in that neighborhood. We don't have yeah. badges. We don't have guns. We don't have. Pat- mm-hmm. We don't have. And he just broke. The, he's like, yeah, we, we're just there. We don't have any of the of the resources or protection to pre- protective. You know, devices or equipment that you have, we're just there, living there. You, you patrol there, and you, you leave. We have to live in it. And I was like, "Wow, yeah, that's yeah. a strong point right there." <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have tear gas. We, we
1: don't have bulletproof vests. We, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, "Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a strong rebuttal right there." It's <laughs> like, "Wow."
1: Yeah, and um, I was impressed. You know, when Brenda's got a baby came out, which was one of his very early hits and it was based on a true story and it was just amazing how young he was and no one had ever told a story quite like that it had all these very serious topics like incest molestation Mm -hmm. attempted suicide homicide it just wows you and that's when a lot of people perked up was like who is this kid you know it was based on a true story he wrote it in his own words
2: yeah i remember when that song First came out on, and they had that, I don't know if they had it out there, but the, the box, you could order your video, order the videos, that video would go off and come right back on. it go off and come right back <laughs> on. It would play about 10 times in a row where people were just ordering it nonstop. It was. To, it, it came on so many times to the point where I got tired of hearing the song. Like the first few times, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know. But seriously, it, it came on that much that I would just turn. I, right, I'm done with this channel. It just keeps playing the same video over and over again. Like, I know the song. I know the video. Like, it's a great song, but after hearing it over and over and over and over again, it, it was just like, wow. But that just goes to show how impactful it was. And like you said, um, JB, like, there had never been a song of that, that told that kind of story, with that that emotion, like, the tone of the song just was, it was very, um, it, was, it, it, pu- it pulled you in. It pulled you in and it made you feel emotions. You know, it didn't have a hardcore beat to it when I'm telling a story that, okay, where well, you have to really sit down and listen to it. Like, meanwhile, you're, like, dancing and dancing and dancing. You're like, wait a minute, this song is about what? Yeah. Like, you didn't want to dance to the song. Nope. You knew that when you heard it, that <laughs> It had a serious tone to it. You wanted to listen to what was going on. And at the end of it, you were like, wow, that's really messed up. Yeah, man. not a party starter. <laughs> right. There was no, yeah, there's no confusion in the song, like, with a party yeah. song. Like, you're not going to yeah. put Brenna's Got a Baby on in a club or a yeah. pick out or, you know, something. It's like, wow. Ooh, wow. And then when I, remember, I remember when I first, I think it was not too long after it, it came out, I actually did catch an, an early interview of him. And he was telling about how it was a true story. So that, I think that's probably one of the things too that made me not want to listen to it as much because I would hear it and hear it. I'm like, oh man, this is a true story. And in my head, I'm like, that's messed up. And I, it was so, um, it gave you strong visuals, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I can't, no. I would just start turning it off. Like, yeah, I can't listen to this anymore. But um, I think that was kind of the point. Like it, it facilitated discussion and dialogue so it was very necessary definitely what other elements did you
1: like about this episode that was another teaching moment or something else that surprised you or shocked you any other comments
2: to that um, effect I think some of the some of the footage I, I, I do like how they they, they kind of gave a little bit of the historical context about you know what the Black Panthers had to face. You know, under J. Edgar Hoover's leadership with the funding and um, installation of of the COINTEL um, programs that started to infiltrate and remember facets of the Black Panther Party. Because I don't don't think, I mean, I've seen, I've seen documentaries where they talk about it, but, you know, it's, it's rare that you hear, hear it in that context of how it related to Tupac and how it, it made him the way he was. Um, as far as how he didn't have that much of a trust for law enforcement because of him knowing that, I mean, basically that was his family. I mean, for, you know, test and purpose, that was his family, Um, blood or not, you know, that was his family. He saw what his family was dealing with um, and knowing those people personally and seeing how they were treated and what was being said about them and how they had to defend themselves, um, especially his mother, had to. He would take the stand and basically was her own attorney um, during the, the trial. Um, so I think that was that was kind of cool to kind of give a little bit of a background of why he was, how he was as far as his reasoning or how he felt about law enforcement. It wasn't just he was, you know, F the police or anything like that. He had like documented instances of family members being harassed and beaten or arrested and mistreated by police officers so he had a, a, a real reason to feel the way he did and also how being so so tied to the Black Panther Party it made him want to advocate more for, for for his people and not just okay I want to go out and make music but I want to use my voice for something a little little more than just making music but I want to push a narrative I want to get my voice out there I want to be, be a voice for for people that aren't necessarily represented, and I think that was that was really cool how they how they tied that in like that.
1: Yeah, there was a quote I think in there that said he didn't want to be Chuck D or KRS One speak to the already converted yes. yeah. people that already knew yeah. that they're up against it. Where he wanted to reach the pimps and the pushers and the people that were maybe less educated and, and get them to rally behind the cause um, and stand up yeah. for their rights and i thought it was a little bit yeah. funny well you know he's at these these rallies i think there was one in indiana and it's with like the the, yeah. the black panther folks <laughs> and he's using vulgar language you know he's he's dropping the f bomb here and there and they're like could you please and he's like no man this is real stuff and he wanted to really cut through you know the politeness because it's not it's something that needs to be dealt with you know you're, you're dealing with yeah you know nasty conditions and racial racial
2: profiling yeah yeah you can't be more offended by my by my language than what's really going on right. mm-hmm. and, I, and i i agree with him on that point. I say like, hey listen my, it's not his delivery like you got to listen to what he's saying not necessarily language he's he's making valid right. points and the language yeah he's a little rough but you gotta understand that what he's saying is is you can't be offended by his words. It's, it's, there's actual things going wrong. Like that should, that should bother you more than what he's saying. Exactly. <laughs> Hardly delivering. He's Worse problems
0: than his, the coarseness of his language.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And he also makes an excellent point about once he got some success after Juice and Poetic Justice, you know, a lot of people didn't like the tone that he was taking and he went right back to his trauma with the police. Like he still has the scars mm-hmm. and um, just because he has some money doesn't mean he he needs to calm down right um, now that he has a platform he you know he turned up the volume and I think yeah take uh, a lesson from his activism in that way you know he's got the megaphone now and he didn't shrink away from using it.
1: Another thing I learned was you know he had the ta- tattoo of Thug life, and I didn't realize that there's like a thug life code that he lived yeah. by, which actually was more like anti-violence. Again, it was more about activism yeah. and, and and trying to stand up for yourselves and, and reach uh, a lot of the society that doesn't get reached by, by media. It, it also made him a, a yeah, target but, more so because,
0: yeah. you know, someone yeah. with a thug life tattoo. Yeah. You know, those, the people that get offended by that don't usually take the time to try to understand what, right. you know. They don't take the "be curious, not judgmental" attack. They do the t- judgmental attack. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty fascinating. What uh, what, what Tani would talk about, uh, you know, in the in this episode about you know, the, the thug life code. That, that was that's worth seeing if yeah. you haven't seen this. Interesting, interesting dialogue about that. Yeah, I mean,
1: so I mean, Tupac was no angel. I uh, like he carried a heavy chip on his shoulder and. You know, there were a couple of incidents where, again, he's dealing with some some fallout from his music, his behavior. There was the one turning point event, the Marin City Music Festival, which was like a homecoming for Tupac. He had a degree of success and he had spent a few years of his younger, you know, his high school years in in Marin City, California. Unfortunately, like during his concert, a fight broke out oh, right. and a young child named Kaid was killed, six-year-old was playing on the playground and a stray bullet hit him because there was a lot of jealousy and a fight broke out. And Tupac took it hard and it, and it changed him. I dug a little bit deeper and I kind of looked it up because I didn't really know much about that story. Apparently it was Tupac's gun. There was a big argument and a scuffle and his he had dropped his gun, but someone else grabbed it and shots came out and hit the young child. But he again, he had to face the consequences. Some of the articles stated that Tupac may have, instigated some of the writing, you know, saying some disparaging things about the city and and causing an uproar. Still no reason for what had happened, but it seemed like controversy followed him. But again, he, he had a little bit of that edge to him that kind of led to controversy as well. Also, I saw that the Hughes brothers were like his producers, video producers. uh, And the one guy that's come full circle, Alan Hughes said he was beaten up by like 10 guys from his entourage part of Tupac's crew. And it was really over like creative differences because he was supposed to be a menace to society, but he wouldn't change the character. He wouldn't want to be like a pacifist. And, uh, it led to Alan Hughes getting, getting beat up. But even he came around and was like, I don't, maybe I should have listened to him (laughs) and kind of work this out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I see the parallels between his real life Persona, and then like Bishop and Juice, you know how he's like all hell bent on revolution and rallying troops and stuff like that. Like you, you see a lot of parallels there. And he even mentioned, you know, possibly dying, you know, for the cause. And unfortunately, that yeah. was kind of prophetic. And you're like, wow, this—he's going to go. He might go down in a blaze of glory, and unfortunately, like, that's kind of what happened because once. He gets riled up and we already covered this when we went to the notorious episode. You know, he was shot going into the studio in, in New York and you know, he thought that it was, you know, Biggie's crew and once that East Coast West Coast feud, you know, there's like no turning back and Yeah. Now we know kind of yeah. behind the what's going on in his psyche that would that would lead him to, to, to seek vengeance. Yeah.
2: It's a tragic story it is. of 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 him because he had so much potential, and like I said, we're only on episode two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we still have episodes to go, and he had so much potential, so much good that he could have done. But like you said, once he once once something was a little off, you know that his ed, that edge kicked in, and he just couldn't couldn't let it go, or you know turn the cheek as. as you know, most people say and just kinda of push forward. And it's it's sad. It's it's sad when you you see what you know, what could have come from his life had he been able to um you know get past some of those some of those issues and some of those differences that he would have with people. And I and I often get asked the question too, when you mentioned you um, you know, big and notorious in the East Coast, West Coast people I often do get asked do I think they would have reconciled at some point? And I, oh, I think they would have. I think they would have reconciled. I think they probably could have. And it's a shame that we never got to see that. <laughs> you know, that's a good question,
1: uh, hypothetical question. Would they ever have reconciled?
2: I think it would have probably been just them kind of blocking out the voices and just saying, yeah. you know, I know him, he knows me. Why don't we just sit down and talk about it? rather than having everybody in the ears saying, oh, well, you know, nah, man, nah, man, nah. I think that's a lot of what mm-hmm. kind of fueled it, too. I mean, I, I read, at first, yeah, it did, it did look a little suspicious. But I think that, you know, if they would have been able to to just have a face-to-face without all of the side voices, I think they probably come to some kind of an understanding. It may be like a professional intervention of sorts, getting both sides
1: together. Right. I wonder what impact, technology would have on that like social media nowadays you know if you have some mutual friends or acquaintances maybe someone reach out and try to start a peace offering of sorts i don't know
0: i think obama could have done it he may have obama could have brought them together
1: if if Mm. they lived till they would have lived to see obama's administration he may have yeah that's a good one and towards the end uh, they towards the end of this episode, they show him moving to Atlanta in 1994, and he had adapted well. And it was kind of nice to see he, he, Afeni had been out of rehab. He had bought, Tupac had bought Afeni a house with a lot of land and they had a shooting range. And so they got to see some of the fruits of his labor. And he got to yeah. see that before he passed. So I thought that was nice to see.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like most people would, you know, take some great pride and get to a certain period where you can take and give back to your mother the way he was able to do for her. And um, yeah, she, things were bumpy, you know, but at the core of it, there was definitely love, you know, for her, for her. And that fact that he was able to do that for her, you know, was a beautiful thing.
0: And I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, so maybe cut this out, but the demo of Dear Mama gets played at the end of this episode. And so we start to see this kind of reconnection that they have after she stops using, and you know, they're out in Atlanta. So uh, it sets up, I think, for the next three episodes. You know, the final three episodes, I guess. Um, you know, the the real do your mama story. So yeah, um, to be continued.
2: <laughs> Another point that it was it was good that they mentioned was um, when he was cast in Poetic Justice, and everyone was talking about how excited he was. That he was cast in that movie, he was getting getting to work with Janet Jackson, such a high caliber. Even though she wasn't an actress, but she was still a high caliber star. Like everybody knew her, and he was like, "Wow, I get-
0: good times wasn't enough." So not i a legend for good times. <laughs> 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 I think an actress. If you want to good times, then you're an actress. Even Bookman. <laughs>
2: <sighs> but it was it was good though to see that um that was talking about that like, he was excited and that even like critics and everyone were kind of starting trying to look at him because first you know we had Juice and now we have Poetic Justice and then it was a completely different character than yeah. than Juice and he he nailed it and you know it was good yeah. that they kind of were able to you know give a little tidbit about that as well.
0: I took that and to think you know, we because we reviewed poetic justice on this podcast perhaps it was unfair of me to compare it too much to boys in the hood because it was singleton's second film and so i think my takeaway from this is to reconsider poetic justice maybe watch it again and see you could really see how good of an actor tupac is in this poetic justice and maybe the story wasn't john singleton's best directing work but it's still pretty good i think
2: yeah there's definitely some top-notch emotional acting in that film. Like I said, the story is not necessarily the greatest story, but the character development and the acting was, was top-notch. <laughs> yeah, you can see his
1: charisma once again on the screen, which jumps off the screen. Another thing I liked about this episode is you can get to hear some of the songs again. Like, you see some clips from Brenda's Got a Baby, the video. Mm-hmm. The song Changes, which, which I, I think is one of my favorite Songs of Tupac, yeah. which uses the Bruce Hornsby in the range sample. Mm-hmm. And I get around, they show like kind of a little bit of the video and how he had the, the magnetism to the ladies.
2: <laughs>
0: I get around is one of my top 10 non five called quest tracks of all time. It is on my desert island. Uh, that song that's is so a lot good. Of fun. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's a fun song and a fun video. I, I, anytime that video would come on, I was like glued to the screen. Yep. <laughs>
0: Surf Stopper, that that's uh, that, that comes on, definitely watch it till the it end. Is. They pretty much said they were just had, like
1: partying all day and then shooting clips from the song in between, in the
2: pool and and whatnot. Yeah, not
0: bad gig. <laughs> pretty mm-hmm.
2: good. Yeah. Another thing that I kind of thought, I mean, I've heard about it already, but they threw it in there was was uh, him and Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had I had already heard that, but I was like, oh, they they, they mentioned that. Okay. All right. So we're confirming that that really happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's news that's fit to print.
2: <laughs> okay. So we got the hard confirmation.
1: It's funny. is that like, He would tell, it was like his, his aunt glow seemed to be one that would like the tabloid stuff. Cause she said like, Oh, who you, who are you with? Who are you with? You know, like she wanted to know. And I don't think Afini wanted to
2: really know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, Oh no, no parts of it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. Better off yeah. knowing, not knowing.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to the next few episodes.
0: I should mention, too, uh, over the summer, there's a museum in New York called Poster House, and I went in the spring, and they had an exhibit on branding the Black Panther Party. So I'll throw some of this on the Instagram. Really interesting stuff. Hmm. I'll definitely put the photos I took
2: on our Instagram at HipHopMovieClub. If that one's up, I might might take a trip over and check that one out.
0: The exhibit at the poster house is called Black Power to Black People, Branding the Black Panther Party, and it's open until September 10th.
2: Oh, nice. Hit it up. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out.
0: Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMC's, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. on. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMC's reviewed episode three of Dear Mama, The Saga of Afini and Tupac Shakur. Drops in two weeks. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app. You won't miss it. Shout out to you, listeners. Thanks for tuning in.
1: And remember, don't hate. Differentiate.
0: Differentiate. Stand out. Nice. 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 Oh. Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram, brain underscore freeze underscore trivia double underscore time. That's brain freeze trivia time on Instagram.